Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome back to Food for Thought and what is Series 6? I can't tell you how grateful I am for your continued support. I've been overwhelmed by the millions of you tuning in and sharing your positive reviews and I'm so excited to bring Series 6 to you. Over the next 12 weeks, my special guests and I's mission is to expose why so much advice can often be misleading. We'll be using proven science to sort fact from fiction and dispel everything that remains confusing in the world of wellness. Long gone are the days where I just pulled out any pair of tracksuit bottoms and an old t-shirt to work out. For me anyway, having beautiful activewear provides that little extra motivation to hit the gym. I first discovered Sweaty Betty way back when I got my first job as a nutritionist at a fitness studio, which I wore religiously. A decade later, I still have the same outfit and I'm loving it more than ever before. I find myself not just crunching in it in the gym, but but brunching in it too. My personal favorites are the power leggings. The way they feel are buttery soft and they really let me move freely. And I would love for you to try Sweaty Betty out too, especially while they're offering an exclusive 20% off. All you need to do is visit sweatybetty.com forward slash podcasts and enter the code foodforthought at the checkout. Hello and thank you so much for tuning in to Food for Thought, a podcast on a mission to equip you with all the evidence-based advice that you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, best-selling author of Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. In each episode, I'll be joined by special guests, all of whom can be considered authoritative voices in health, so that together we can learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with trusted expert advice. In the world of health and wellness, there's nothing more confusing than dieting. You're told time and time again that the only thing that really works is a balanced diet and exercise. Yet all too many of us are still willing to listen and attempt every new fad in hopes that it's the one that changes everything. And let me remind you that unfortunately it's probably not. With over half of the UK now reportedly dieting, this week's Food for Thought sees registered nutritionist Claire Baisley and I declutter your minds once and for all as we share which diets really do do work. Hello, Claire. Hi. Hi. I am so excited about today's episode. Oh, totally. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's something that um, we've needed to discuss for a long time Mm. and I couldn't think of the more perfect guest. So thank you for coming on. No problem. If we start with the fact that there's really one clear diet that works for everybody that will stand the test of time, that's like a statement that everyone says. What are your thoughts on that? I I just think that we are all so different. We are all individuals and there is not one diet to rule them all. I do a lot of workplace wellness talks and I just have like the one ring from Lord of the Rings. And I said, there's no, I always say there's no one diet that is better than another. Um, It's a very individual thing. And, you know, I think, I think there's two ways of looking at it. It's whether it's a diet for health or whether it's a diet for weight loss. And I think, you know, today we're probably talking more about the latter. But they get Um, confused. They do get confused because 
the word diet is so inherently linked with weight loss, but actually it's more about eating patterns. Um, and I think when we look at the research, probably the best supporting evidence is in favour of the Mediterranean style mm. of eating. But there are lots of ways of doing that. It isn't a case of, you know, you've got to have this macro split or you can only eat these type of foods. Um, the Mediterranean eating pattern is very broad and varies across uh, the med. And, you know, there are other diets across the world that also seem to be associated with uh, healthier outcomes. Well, that, so, that's when it gets confusing isn't it absolutely because someone it is. may think the mediterranean is just one way of eating and it really isn't i think you know as soon as it becomes a book or something mm -hmm. that is shared a lot on social media then it, it becomes quite reductive um, and i think we also have to bear in mind that something like the mediterranean style of eating it's not just about the foods that are consumed but it's are you getting enough sleep are your levels of stress lower um do you have strong social networks do you enjoy eating as part of a family or you know as part of a social network there are so many different facets yeah. to what is a healthy diet well that's gosh you explained that so beautifully and what really hit home to me there was how things can be misinterpreted or like you said reduced to such simplistic terms that perhaps mm. they are they are too simple and if we go right back so let's start with probably one of the most well-known diets um the atkins diet mm. I mean, that was developed back in the 60s. I mean, would you say that the original diet was any any good for people? Because it, it really took off, didn't it? At the yeah, time. I mean, it was, it's been a very popular diet. You can actually go back even further to the 1800s, a sort of late uh, 19th century, the Banting diet. Right which back is further. Precursor to the, the keto diet that's quite popular today. So, you know, that, that we have a long history of dieting, but certainly in the 50s and 60s, which is where you start to see the Atkins diet emerging, there were all sorts of things that came out and, and I sort of delved into the history of dieting and you just see all of this craziness. You know, <laughs> people would um, pay money to swallow a tapeworm. Yes, I remember hearing about that. Weight. The women, it was the wealthy women and princesses yes. and things that have lived yes. with a tapeworm. Yeah. And this sort of thin ideal, I think, you know, we'll talk about later, but the thin ideal has been around certainly for a lot of the 20th century um, and it persists to present day. But coming back to Atkins, I mean, it was one of those, you know, there's quite a few of the, the low carb, high protein kind of diets. And I mean, I think one thing I will say is that any diet, if you're looking for weight loss, any diet that in some way reduces your calorie intake versus your calorie needs is going to be effective for yeah. weight loss while you are on that diet. That's the caveat while That's you're the caveat. doing it. As soon as you come off it, if you go back to a less healthy or, I mean, I'm not saying all these diets are healthy. They're certainly, Could a be lot of healthier, them are not. But, more but if you dense. go back to eating mm. more calories, then you're going to put that weight back on. So I think if you are looking for weight loss and you're doing it for the right reasons, the best diet for you is the one that you can stick to, the one that's sustainable. But I would also add, it's got to be something that is balanced and healthy and mm. gives you a broad range of nutrients. Completely. And also doesn't restrict you to the point where you're socially isolated because you're on such a restrictive diet. Yeah, it's very sad. I think your life and your mental health can be so mm. affected by these things. And the buzzwords like high protein and things mm. like that associated mm. with Atkins, why do you think that people are still believing that one macronutrient is maybe superior to another. I think protein is an interesting one to consider because um, it is associated with maintaining muscle um, or even growing muscle if you're training hard um, and doing resistance training. So something like protein um, can be effective if you are reducing your calorie intake. If you increase your protein intake, you're more likely to maintain your muscle mass and lose less lean tissue. And we know that that lean tissue is, is more active than, um, than fat tissue for example it burns more calories and I think people associate that with you know having less of a drop of metabolic rate uh, which typically you see if you lose weight there's simply less of you for your body to keep and alive. And people that don't understand if we could just touch on metabolic rate just mm. what that actually means. It's I mean it's it's just how many calories your body needs to stay alive That's so 
basically yeah. what it is. Yeah. <laughs> if we lay in bed all day and just breathed and had our beating hearts and, you know, kept all our cells alive, we would still need a lot of calories just mm. to do that. And then any activity, um, the caloric cost of digestion, for example, all of these things then go on top. Yeah. So if you've got more muscle tissue, you do burn more calories, but I think it gets misinterpreted because it's not... Yeah. It's not a massive amount. You know, people will start going to the gym and training and, and developing muscle and they go, well, I must be eat. I need to eat lots more because my metabolic rate's increasing. I've got all this more muscle. It's, it's a lot slighter than you think. Yeah, and I think there is a complete misconception that if something contains, I don't know, you'll see it marketed as, oh, this bar contains... 30 grams of protein, therefore mm. it's a superior bar to one that only contains 17. That's when we're really getting the lines a bit blurred. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think this high protein trend has been massively leapt upon by brands because people know that, that protein is somehow associated with health. And, and, and it's it's a macronutrient that's yeah. essential, absolutely. Um, and if you are training hard, if you are over 50, for example, where we know that people start to lose muscle mass at a more rapid rate than they have um, in in earlier years, then a higher protein diet can be helpful. We also know that high protein diets can be more satiating. So mm. you might feel fuller for longer, thereby you consume fewer calories. If you eat a high protein meal, ideally with mm. high fibre as well, then we're more likely to feel full um, and less likely to want to, to raid the cookie jar two hours later. <laughs> well, it's good you touched on the um, the fact that it doesn't necessarily equate to health all the time. So no. you can have a high-protein diet, but if you're not getting the fibre. So let's delve into when carbohydrates perhaps became demonised mm. because... Again, there's a complete fear, but of course, carbohydrates are one of the main food groups that contain fiber. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you see that with the Banting diet, which is, you know, um, synonymous with the, with the keto diet these days. You see it with Atkins, Ducan. There's a number of diets that, that are low in carbohydrates. Mm. And, you know, it's not to say that those diets can't be effective for some people for weight loss. They may have uh, application in the management of type 2 diabetes, for example. But you've got to be really careful that you're not missing out on key nutrients. And fibre is one. Mm. Um, so you can consume vegetables that are relatively low in carbs, but high in fibre. Um, you've still got to make sure you're getting variety of fibre intake. And the quantity, I mean, Absolutely. throughout the day. Yeah, you know, it's it's hard on mm. low-carb vegetables to, to meet your daily fibre requirements. But we also shouldn't forget that, that whole grain carbohydrates like oats, for example, and, and, and you know, all the other grains, they don't just provide fibre, they provide B vitamins, for example. Even some protein. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And if you're on a vegan diet, then combining your protein sources throughout the day, throughout the week, from grains, from pulses, from nuts and so on, is really important. So you're getting that protein quality. And even you just saying all of this, I'm hoping to the listeners that it's you're realizing it's complex. It's so complex. It's, it's not it's black not, and white. No, it really isn't. You can't reduce things down to um, just nutrients. No. We don't eat nutrients. We no. eat foods. Yeah. And you know, to 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 focus and say all carbs are bad. Yeah. Or all protein types are, are good. Mm. It you know. It's, it's really not that simple. If it was, we would all be walking around disease-free. And, and, <laughs> and this know, is the problem, I think, with calorie counting sometimes as well, is that it depends what those calories are equally made up of. So when you've just spoken about the fact, well, you could be within the calorie allowance, but if you're not actually healthy as well and getting all those vitamins and minerals you need, yeah. you might see results. But are you going to be a healthy individual long term? Absolutely. I mean, you could theoretically lose weight by eating one junk food meal a day yeah. if your calorie intake was less than your calorie needs. But that wouldn't be healthy. No. Long term, you are going to suffer from deficiencies. Um, you're not going to be feeling full if you're having sort of low fiber low protein foods all the time you know it, there is far more to it than just a, a quick weight loss 
fix. Oh, it's this, yeah, it's music to my ears, Claire. <laughs> and I, I know that we, we spend our lives um, discussing this type of thing day in, day in, day out. But the research on these diets, if we go, you mentioned the Dukum being very similar to um, Atkins. And I'm sure there's lots of people listening that have probably tried all of these different mm. diets. Is there research out there that's really credible backing any of these? It's it's very, very hard to research diets per se um, because we're all different. We react differently. We find it harder to stick to certain diets than others. So one of the most difficult things to research is compliance mm. um, and, and the inter-individual variability so you can you can put people and give them you know guidance as to as to how to stick to the diet but you can't lock them up I mean you can but it's incredibly (laughs) expensive to put them in a metabolic lab and there have been studies done yeah um and you know you you can demonstrate that all of these diets can be effective for weight loss but it's what happens after you come off them and generally the evidence isn't isn't strong for any of them no and I think individual differences so if you've got a predisposition to something in your family perhaps one diet's not going to be suited to you compared Mm. to another person it's just so it's just so many factors I think and is it culturally relevant as well because you know a lot of these fad diets are um, very much sort of culturally appropriate for a western population Mm. Um, but we know that southeast asian populations for example have a higher risk of type 2 diabetes for example and you know the diets are not going to be culturally relevant let alone you know looking at at the the health side of things so you know I, i think you have to be really careful in in giving any sort of one size fits all approach Exactly. So all these books that you'll see out there, the Dukem books, the um, Atkins books, Mm. please take them all with such a pinch of salt. Now, we've discussed fiber. We've gone into protein, a little bit on carbs. We can go back to carbs later. But Mm. what about fat? I mean, when we're talking about fat, there's lots of studies out there now that are saying, oh, maybe a higher fat diet might be a little Mm -hmm. bit better than we previously thought. Um, What are your viewpoints on on this? I mean, I think we have to still keep talking about foods rather than nutrients um, because you know there's there's been a lot of um, talk about dairy products and full fat dairy products uh, for example not um, having the health effects that we might suspect um, from foods that have uh, a higher saturated fat content because we've seen so many headlines about butter being back and I know. full fat cream and, and, you know, fill yourself full of saturated fat. Reduce heart disease, all sorts of magical claims. You know, again, it really isn't that simple. And potentially there may be different types of saturated fat that can have a more neutral effect on cholesterol levels, for example. But the heart cholesterol hypothesis does still hold. We should still be cutting down on our saturated fat intake, uh, whether it's from cheese or butter or whether it's from the visible fats on meat, for example. There may possibly be some evidence that um, the fat found in whole milk um, or yogurt, for example, may not be as deleterious to health as we might have thought. Um, And it could be the food matrix. We don't quite Mm. know why. Um, what we do know is that it's really complicated. It's so complicated. And again, even if someone has found that perhaps dairy has more positive effect than a negative effect, it would depend on the individual consuming the dairy once again. And the rest of the diet, yeah. whether they're active, whether they exactly. smoke, drink alcohol. And this is why it's so hard <laughs> to study diets. You know, I think, you know, when we talk about how diets are studied, mm. given that it is so difficult to do a randomised controlled trial, and we have some of the data, but again, you know, compliance is and an issue. for people listening, that is literally what we would classify as a really good type of study, you know, one that's been conducted quite well. Yes, rigorously. Yes. Um, but it's 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 perfectly uh, positioned to test whether a pharmaceutical drug works Mm. because there are not many variables. Whereas with eating and lifestyle, there are so many variables. And with a randomized controlled trial, you know, it is very specific and it's designed to test, you know, a or B, rather than an entire diet versus a different diet. And, you and know, it's, human it's beings, really hard. Yeah. It is so hard. I, I think a good example is in clinic when we receive our food diaries, how everyone jots mm. it down. You can ask for people to give portion sizes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
do they? Well, everyone has a different view of how they're measuring their portion sizes. And is they, there 50 grams, yeah. 50 grams? Yeah, and, <laughs> you know, we know, and this is this is mm. the problem with epidemiological research where you observe, you don't intervene with people and you can have big populations of thousands of people. You ask them to write down what they ate yesterday and we know for for a fact that they will over-report their vegetable intake and under-report their chocolate intake or, you know, <laughs> I've often similar. forget about that last yeah. cube I had in the evening. Yeah, that biscuit you ate standing up while mm. you waited for the kettle to boil. You've either forgotten about it or you think, well, I can't write that down because what they'll will they think, think I'm of terrible. Me? Mm. So you don't get an accurate picture of what they ate. Um, and then you follow those individuals for many, many years and sometimes you might not check in again on their diet and so you might be looking at what they ate 30 years ago and then um correlating it with what uh diseases they've got later so their life will have changed their life will have changed we know that you can't control for every single thing so you can do a lot of statistics that control for the fact that people who have a high red meat intake tend to have a higher alcohol consumption they tend to smoke they tend to eat more sugar take less exercise and so on you can control for some of these factors but you can't control for everything and and so we know that that dietary research and finding what the best diet is is so fraught with difficulty and this is why um the experts that we often have on this podcast i wouldn't use the phrase that we sit on the fence but we try and give a balanced viewpoint Mm -hmm. from both aspects and both sides because it's so frustrating when you see different voices in the media perhaps they're selling something a product a book or some something they've got coming out Mm -hmm. And they're preying on vulnerable people by saying their one size will fit all. It may help a few. We, mm. We're not denying mm. that. But we know it's not possible for everyone. And I think it's really difficult because the media wants certainty. Publishers want certainty. We all do, really. You know, we all want to know, is this going to work for me? Is this the magic bullet? Everybody wants a simple answer. And there are no simple answers to complicated questions. No. It's impossible. And so I think when you work in nutrition science, you can be accused of being a bit woolly and sitting on the fence because All the time. it is not simple. And mm. the more you learn about nutrition science, the more you realise that you cannot give a straight or black and white answer. You can give degrees of uncertainty, but people don't want to hear that. And it it is difficult to be um, categorical. But I think, you know, there are eating patterns that we can recommend. Yeah. I mean, talking of one of those, if we go into the fact that I think the 5-2 is a very popular Mm, type of mm. diet that we do know for some people it might fit into their lifestyle. Absolutely, because you don't have to make massive changes to your diet. Um, You can carry on eating what you've eaten before as long as you don't go crazy on the off days mm. but the the fasting regimens they can work for certain people because they can still eat the foods that they're used to eating but they have a couple of days or a certain number of hours within each day where they just don't eat yeah you just have to be very careful to plan the times that you are eating to make sure that you're getting a balance of nutrients so you can't mm. just go crazy and order three pizzas <laughs> on your days off it's not going to work and I think it's also about managing those days of severe calorie restriction I'm not recommending anyone listen just go and do this no no absolutely do it with support yeah (laughs) yeah but you need to be aware of if you are running around like a crazy person on a day where somebody has told you you can only have I don't know 200 calories in Mm. one day that is that's not really healthy and we wouldn't advise it. It's it's not great. I mean, it's not going to do lasting damage if it's just one day, you know, or two days yeah. out, of, out of seven. But you just have to be incredibly careful the rest of the time. Also, on those fast days or, or during times where you've not been eating a lot, if you're active, you're going to really suffer. Your performance is going to suffer. Mm-hmm. Your recovery time is going to be slower. So if you are someone who's very active, a fasting regimen may not work for you because you're effectively probably taking two or three days out around your fast day where your training is going to be compromised. So, you know, I, I think it 
it can, like any other diet, it can work for some people. You can do it in a reasonably mm. healthy way if it's well planned. But I would say if you've got any issues with your relationship with food, if you've got a history of, of addiction to dieting or disordered eating in any way, I would say absolutely not for a fasting regimen. And it's the impact on things people don't realise, dieting and sleep for instance, mm. that can be heavily impacted yeah. by severe calorie restriction one day. Yeah. And I, I don't think there's enough awareness. You also see a lot of miracle claims to do with fasting and gut health now and all mm. sorts of things we just don't have concrete evidence for yet, do no. we? I mean, I think gut health is one where I think the enthusiasm is massively outweighing the knowledge that we have. We know that may well be important to a broad aspect of, of health but how and and is it is it a marker or is it a cause you know is our gut health changes when our diet changes does our diet change when our gut health changes you know which which way round is the relationship um we're pretty sure that gut health has yeah. importance but mm. we we really don't know that much about it but absolutely if your sleep is being disturbed by fasting what you'll find is that you're you're going to find it even harder to stick mm. to that fast because we know that when you're sleep deprived you're more likely to want to eat more because yeah. you feel so tired yeah we know the impact on hunger hormones mm. can increase obviously you get very hungry when you're tired i know i'm terrible mm. there if i've not had um, a good night's sleep I think there's also such an urge now to reconnect with nature because we've lost we've lost it so much if you're working in the city environment and I know right now I'm craving fresh air. I can't mm. wait to get out of London some I need to book it in a diary but <laughs> I think we all want to feel like we're doing something so wholesome and so good for our for our bodies because we're surrounded by a lot of stress, a lot of different things. Mm. So perhaps that's why diets that link back to our ancestors like paleo are popular. Mm -hmm. um, a keto is a different type of one. But if we discuss eating like our ancestors, yeah. how does that actually work? I think it's a really, it makes intuitive sense to us that, mm. you know, when we evolved, we must have been eating an optimum diet. But characterizing that diet is, is nigh on impossible. Yeah. The fossil record does not show a great deal of organic matter. So determining what we ate, I mean, it's going to change with geographical region for a start there'll be much more seafood being eaten on coastal areas mm. whale um, blubber i was told at university a classic yeah. paleo type of food yes. yeah yeah <laughs> um and so you know characterizing that paleo diet is, is going to be very very difficult um i think we should definitely mention that our ancestors died under the age of 40 from disease or predation. So, you know, we're not looking back to these halcyon days. There were times of, of severe famine where we'd have starved to death because there was just such food shortages. These are, these are not necessarily optimal conditions. Mm. Um, that being said, the paleo diet tends to focus on whole foods that are relatively unprocessed. Um, and these are good things, rich in vegetables, rich in lean meats, for example. Um, but we don't eat wild animals. No, um, it's and the hard grain to consumption access. is yeah. different. It's very... Yeah. But we did eat grains. There is exactly. evidence that we ate grains. Um, and there is also evidence that we can tolerate dairy foods, which are a relatively recent development. So dairy farming was, was only in, in the last sort of few thousand years. And yet some people, particularly in Western Europe, have an adaptation to be able to digest dairy foods, whereas um, some populations find it harder. Um, so I, I think... Again, it's quite a simplistic view, but there are aspects of a paleo diet that can be quite healthy, and, and that's the whole foods and the vegetables. But yeah. I wouldn't take it as far as avoiding broccoli because we didn't eat it no. 30,000 years ago. Yeah, it's, it's such an interesting one. I think it's almost been very hijacked by, yeah, let's go there, the fitness industry. Mm -hmm. I would say there's a big correlation between people that um, stereotypically work out a lot. Yeah. Perhaps. CrossFit, you know, um, promote the sort of the obstacle paleo. races. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, it is. It is very, very popular in those circles. Um, and I think 
you often see people doing macro tracking and, and all of these kind of things alongside these sort of diets. And, and again, I think we'll talk about tracking a bit later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it just becomes really obsessive. And I don't necessarily think that this laser focus on can you have this food, can you have that food is helpful. It's one of the biggest things I'm often asked in clinic, on social media, on the retrition platforms. It will always be a question of, oh, my PT said I should eat this, therefore, mm. you know, should I, I, will I look like this? Um, oh, gluten's bad, dairy's bad. This mm. is stereotypical, certain items, like you said, that people pigeonhole. And it's almost like a subliminal messaging that is still, as much as we think that we're getting through, we're really not because it's still... No. It's still there. Why I, are we not yeah. making any ground? <sighs> I just, I think that our message is not sexy. It's, you know, yeah, really what not. we're saying is, you know, whole foods, whole grains, plenty of fruit and vegetables, smaller amounts of lean protein, um, balanced diet, low levels of stress, bit of activity, plenty of sleep. <laughs> That's not going to sell diet books. But if no. you say, oh, broccoli, we never ate broccoli before. And, and you know, <laughs> broccoli is a new thing. And so broccoli is bad for you. And you just kind of go, this is lunacy. Mm. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I did a, a myth busting on Monday about the potato diet, which yes. was just on um, a popular TV program. Oh, and out dear. of all the things I could get trolled for, I was amazed that the potato diet was one. There were people talking about, no, this is this works. It's it's a reset oh, diet. It's fantastic. I've done X, Y, and Z and improved my health. And I'm just going, hang on a minute. You're eating only potatoes. potatoes. And even if you're only doing it for a week. How logical is that? It's, it's completely illogical. Yeah. You know, it's like any detox diet. Um, so I just, I just think that the message isn't getting through because it, isn't a quick fix no. and it isn't sexy and it doesn't make headlines um no i, I agree it's, it's incredibly hard for yeah. us uh to to sort of make that message really land it is i remember when i was approached to write renourish and one of the discussions i had a lovely publishing house mm -hmm. um was, oh, it would sell a lot more copies if you put a diet plan in the back. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. No. It doesn't go, it's not the point of the book. Mm -hmm. It's not a diet book. Yet um, we had a big discussion on how that's what sells. And in the end, I just did a nice menu of food and didn't call it a diet plan, just yeah. had some nice food options. But I know if I'd have called my book a non-diet book or a diet, something with the words, you yeah. know, I made it a sexier sell that you would get more out there. It's very, very tough. Mm -hmm. It, it's very tough. And I think when a lot of people choose to go on a diet anyway, first of all, you're in a place where maybe you're not happy with yourself mm -hmm. or you've been given a health scare. Um, it's rarely a positive decision that most people will make in their lives, is it? To suddenly decide, oh, I, w I want to lose some body fat or I'm, I need to restrict what I'm eating. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yes, and I think, you know, that's that's what makes it 
then feel like a diet straight away because you're coming from a point of negativity, whether it's um, achieving an aesthetic goal that is maybe unrealistic and most probably not in any way related to health um, because most of those aesthetic goals are purely because we are pursuing a thin ideal that yeah. is perpetrated by the media and yeah. social media. Um, and that is not a positive reason for wanting to lose weight. No. Um, Either that or you've had a health scare and you've gone to the doctor and you've been told that um, you need to lose weight um, for health reasons or your cholesterol is high or, or some, you know, you need to take action. And again, it's coming from a place of stigma mm. and a place of negativity and pressure. I hear a lot of clients that have been told, um, obviously, fertility is one thing that's affected mm. by weight the amount of pressure that can put on someone as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. And and I think when it comes from a place of blame as well, then the individual is is just going to really struggle with even making any positive changes because they they feel like they're to blame. Yeah. Um I I think it's much more about focusing on making positive changes rather than eliminating foods and avoiding foods. It's about still incorporating those foods that you enjoy into your diet, but adding foods in. So exactly. not taking them away. You might reduce how much you eat, mm -hmm. um, but it's about adding in some vegetables in a way that is delicious to you and in, in a way that's yeah. that's easily to main, easily maintained. I love that. Adding in water, you know, drink more water, for example, to hydrate yourself. That will keep you healthier and uh, enable you to concentrate more rather than saying, oh, drink a glass of water before a meal and it'll fill you up so you'll eat less. You know, they're coming from two mm. completely different standpoints. Yeah, complete different camps. And if someone were to address the, we've mentioned a calorie deficit obviously would work if you were able to stick at it. Mm -hmm. But what are the real pros and cons to this type of approach we've already said it, it is simplistic what actually can happen to your body if you maintain a for a long period of time a severe calorie deficit or is it easy to even do this well, it's certainly not easy to do it and, and that's what we we see in the research um you know any diet that helps you to maintain a cal calorie deficit will will help you to lose weight um i think where you start the calorie counting is where you can run into problems and i would lump macro tracking in with this which whether it's, is macronutrient tracking yeah. so just looking at carbs proteins and fats not just the, the energy intake yes yeah so if you've got an app for example where you're tracking and, and the app may say based upon your goal to lose weight um, this is how much protein fat and um, carbs you should be having in a day and they'll do it in grams and percentage terms and then your calories as well so people can get very religious about logging everything they're eating in these kind of tracking apps and it then just becomes even more pressured and you know I, I did it just to write a blog on a particular uh, tracking app and mm. um even I, after a week, I was thinking, goodness me, this is alarmist because I'd had some yogurt and this little red warning came up saying this is you're almost at your saturated fat intake for the day with this yogurt that you've just oh, consumed. Gosh. And I was thinking, oh, my goodness, I better not have some oh, salad no. dressing then. And I just yeah. thought, what are you doing? This mm. is madness. And I just think that that focus stops you from enjoying food and it can start to become quite uh, religious almost and and bad for our mental health because yeah. suddenly we're just so focused on what we're eating and we're not necessarily giving our bodies what they need at different times and you know if you've trained heavily you need to replenish and recover Completely. and it's not always covered adequately in in the apps i found that when i was logging uh, my weight training, for example, I mean, I know I'm, I'm burning a lot of calories. And when you weight train, it takes you 24 hours to recover and you need to keep the protein intake in and your carb intake to enable optimal recovery. It doesn't factor that in at all. No, and It doesn't often, even say you've burnt any calories from a weight training session, only cardio. That's shocking. Which is crazy. It is bad. I don't think that's accurate. I think that's something we no. really need to reiterate is that even even labeling on food packets let's start well, with exactly. the fact that calorie tracking on apps isn't accurate 
Yeah, the, the calorie information in the exactly. apps is only as good as the people who've inputted it, um, the, yeah. the information. And then product labels. I mean, legally, they have to be accurate within certain bounds. Mm. But you've got plus minus 20% for micronutrients. It might be plus minus 100% because there's such inherent natural variation yeah. in the uh, micronutrient content of we our food. We use the example on this podcast a lot um, that Giles Yeo gave us at the, at the mm. very beginning that... Sweet corn, you probably don't absorb all the calories that goes right through you. Something mm-hmm. like an almond that's high in fiber as well as fats. You mm-hmm. don't absorb all of the calories. No. But so you can't if you, even tell. Yeah. If you don't chew nuts fully, they tend to go through you and you don't absorb as much of the nutrients yeah. as you would if it was a nut butter, for example. Exactly. Or ground almonds. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I know. Oh, I love I love ground almonds. Yeah, like, honestly. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but this is just what we're trying to say is that a lot of people online now, especially I see it on platforms like Instagram Mm -hmm. mainly, um, someone may look a certain way, be in a certain industry, and they're selling something because of how they look. Yeah, And they can use a simplistic message, and often they're not actually qualified to be discussing the matters. They won't understand the complexities. No, exactly. And, you know, I think you see it with celebrities, you see it with influencers, um, they look a certain way, and... I would add to that 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 is, they've probably taken 200 shots to yes. look that way. And they're standing in a certain way. Um, and it's the all about lighting how is you excellent. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I know people who've actually caused themselves an injury from standing in, you know, that way that the Fitspo influencers do, where they, they, they do, they, so, I don't know how they do it. They, they make their, their bum look so big. Bum out and they make their waist look small. <laughs> I tried to do it once and I thought, my back is hurting so much. Yeah. Not because I wanted to put it on Instagram. I was just like, what on earth? How do they yeah. even do it? Yeah. Craziness. But, you know, they, their images are heavily curated. Yeah. Their feed is heavily filtered, curated, planned. Um, and their expertise is just not there. And yeah. it's not safe to trust what they are saying. And it's not like it's coming from a... And I have to point this out, that often some people don't... They're ignorant to it, so it's mm. not coming from a malicious place. No, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think... I mean, this is something that, that I see a lot, that people's belief that something works will always trump the evidence. Yes. Um, and if there's an anecdote... If there's a story about somebody's weight loss journey, that to many people is worth a thousand randomized controlled trials. Especially to the younger generations growing up Mm. who will be heavily influenced by those types. Mm. You're brought up to almost follow your dreams. Yeah. You know, look at aspirational images. Mm. Um, look at Disney mm. movies, for example. I mm. grew up watching these movies that were just... Oh, with all the Disney princesses with yeah. the teeny tiny waist yes. and they're all skinny. I mean, it's better um, these days yeah, of course. when you look at, at films and, and, and animated I mean, I still films. love Disney. I'm just yeah. throwing that out there. I will still sit down <laughs> and watch a Disney film on a bad day. But it goes to show that it, it's been messaging that's put in our heads to believe rather yeah. than follow the fact. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, you know, a lot of celebrities find that, you know, if they gain weight, suddenly they're on the headlines for all the wrong reasons. Um, And we just have this awful culture of, of this thin ideal. And you know, I think I think men suffer from it too. They do, yeah. um, not necessarily the thin ideal, but the uh, the muscular, lean ideal. Six pack, um, pecs, yeah, all absolutely. on the front covers. The sort of men's health model mm. type look. So none of us are immune, but I think, you know, women in particular find it incredibly hard. And when you look at the research, it's really interesting that. In some respects, we feel a little bit better about celebrities looking great because we understand that they're not our peers. They have the means, they have the time, they have the personal trainers to be able to look a certain way and and to have, you know, dermatologists or, um, you know, Botox or whatever it is, you know, we expect them to look like that. (laughs) Mm. But when we see influencers, we judge them like we judge our friends and we see them as our peer group. And I think... You know, there's the the research is emerging here, but mm. I think it's the influencers who can have 
more of a negative influence on our body image when they are portraying that thin ideal because we see them as like us. Whereas we know that a Hollywood A-lister is definitely not like us. You're right. Absolutely. That's a fascinating viewpoint, actually, psychological way of looking at it that I hadn't really considered is that even growing up for us and our generation, we knew that A-list celebrities and magazines were A-list celebrities. Mm. Didn't make it any easier. But no, you, no. But now, now it's it's a whole different ball game. So if we go to the fact that different... Let's go with the Hollywood route. I think gluten-free, probably, and the demonization of sugar, mm. maybe came from Hollywood. <laughs> it seems like it's so popular still amongst celebrities when you hear their interviews. Yeah, yeah. Gluten-free is, is such an odd one, and I think mm. it, it goes hand-in-hand hand with avoiding grains or, you know, and I think there's a level of um, carb phobia as well tied up in it. Um, and I think maybe even there's an element of the sort of diets of our ancestors because gluten is seen as something that is a relatively new um chemical in our diets whereas in fact we we have been eating some gluten containing cereals for many thousands of years and a lot of us can tolerate it perfectly well in the same way that a lot of us can tolerate dairy perfectly Mm. well and I think it's one of those things that if you can tolerate it great great because gluten containing cereals can provide us with a wealth of nutrients Mm -hmm. um if you need to eliminate it, then you need to find a way to replace those B vitamins and fibre. But it's not the secret to weight loss. And no, that's it's not. Unbelievable thing that I still hear. And I launched a, a new menu with delivery yesterday, and lots and lots of questions were, "Oh, well, if it's gluten free and less sugar, then will it help me with my weight loss?" And mm. I was like, well, that's not the point of this menu, but mm. that's the perception mm-hmm. that you take these two items out, you lose weight. I mean, if you take gluten containing foods out and don't replace them then effectively it's just a sort of elimination diet. Mm. Um, You're eating fewer calories. Um, And equally, if you take sugar-containing foods out, as long as you don't replace them with other types of sugar, like honey or agave or maple syrup, like Mm. a lot of these pretend sugar-free diet books that replace sugar with, oh, sugar, just another type of sugar. (laughs) Um, You know, we all know we need to be eating less sugar. Um, And if you take sugary foods like cakes and biscuits and soft drinks out of your diet then that can have a positive effect on health but you don't need to eliminate them completely if it's something that you enjoy it's just about balancing them out yeah um but removing sugary drinks from the diet and if you don't replace them or if you replace them with calorie free drinks then yes that will have a beneficial effect yeah and again we have to keep distinguishing between the fact that health is not weight loss because... No, exactly. That is the main distinction that if you can nail that to everyone listening, it will help you approach these two different separate camps Mm -hmm. because a weight loss diet or a body fat loss diet, whatever you want to call it, is not ever going to be really fully focused on that aspect. No, you can do it in a healthy way. Um, And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say nobody should ever try and lose weight. No, exactly. But you need to be doing it for the right reasons and you need to be doing it with appropriate support um, to ensure that you're getting the nutrient intake. Yeah. And what a lot of people um, would probably be interested to know is that when approaching a weight loss programme or something with a client, for instance... It's not very straightforward. There's so many things and they need a lot of support, don't they? Absolutely. And you have to individualise the approach, which is why it's impossible to say one size fits all. Um, Or write a diet plan. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, or sell a diet plan that effectively everyone gets the same one or that, you know, there's four different versions and you think you're getting something personalised, but actually, you know, they've just taken whatever it is out yeah. of it you know it's just not going to work you have to be able to fit it in with someone's lifestyle and you know when they're active if they're active um their likes and dislikes you know are they are they someone who's just not hungry in the mornings you shouldn't force someone to eat no. breakfast if they just no. typically don't want to and understanding you know, the why I just think understanding why they eat the way they do yeah. can often help unravel behaviour change. Absolutely. Behaviour change is not about prescribing yeah. a diet. It's about working with the individual and their existing eating patterns mm. and saying, do you think you could try this? 
Yeah. Would you be able to swap this for that? Would that work for you if you ate at this time? Would that fit in with your lifestyle? You've got to work with them. And, it, you know, it's about motivational interviewing. So they come to the right conclusion for them and they yeah. come to the right solution rather than prescribing something that they're going to do for a week and then fall off the wagon. Which is, it just sets people up. It just makes me yeah. so sad, Claire. Yeah. I do, it just sets people up for for, for the word failure, which I don't like to mention yeah. ever. And then the guilt yes. that comes with it. Oh, there's something wrong with me that I can't stick to this. Because other people have and it's yeah. worked for them. Exactly. You can't stick to it because it's not right for you. But no. there is a diet that's right for yeah. you. And that's why working with a professional can be the way forward. It can, and it's not going to come in the shape or form of eating a chili at dinner. It's not going to suddenly magically boost, as, <laughs> as, as we hear no. all the time, boost metabolism. But I've taken up enough of my questions. We now have questions from our audience for you, Claire. Brilliant. So, um, oh gosh, the first, you know, this is a name I've never come across before, Moon. That's a fascinating name. Gorgeous. Mm. Um, so Moon has said, I suffer with diabetes. Is there a diet I could go on that would reverse the effects? So firstly, I, I don't know if it's type 1 or type 2 diabetes. Yeah, it's very um, important um, to decipher that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's impossible to give an individual medical advice without knowing their medical history. So unfortunately, I would have to say go and, and speak to your GP and get a referral to a specialist dietitian. And that's um, the perfect it's answer. It's not something that you and I can say here. No, definitely not. And there's a big difference between type 1 and type 2. And Absolutely. You should be able to, on the NHS, get support. Yeah. Um, Nora has said, I'm trying to reach my target weight, but it's taking a long time. At what stage does being on a diet become bad for you? Again, it's it's difficult to say. I mean, it depends what sort of diet you're doing, how much weight you have to lose, um, what nutrient intake you have. I mean, calorie-reduced diets get more and more difficult the closer you get to your target weight because mm. you have to be constantly reducing your calorie intake yeah. further because as you lose weight, you need fewer calories to stay alive. So, you know, people do find that the closer they get, the more difficult it is. Um, I would probably say, you know, try not to reduce your calorie intake much further, but maybe look at introducing some activity, for yeah. example. I mean, weight loss or body fat loss, as I, I kind of like to say, it's not a straight line, is it? It really isn't. There, are, there will always be plateaus. Yeah. There will be times where you're not losing weight. I would certainly say don't be um, religious about weighing yourself or measuring yourself on a regular basis. Um, go with how you feel. Um, and, you know, try to focus more on the foods that you are eating rather than the foods that you're cutting out and making healthier behaviour changes rather than being a slave to the scales. I couldn't agree more and it leads me nicely on to Becca's question. She's worried that her metabolism might be slowing down because of her dieting for a very long time. I mean that is a natural side effect of dieting. Um, your metabolic rate will slow down. Mm. Um, that like is the I've fact. said, you know, yeah, <laughs> and that's why it becomes harder and harder uh, to maintain. The more um, you manipulate, yeah. I mean, you know, yes, you can say to a degree, if you can keep your protein intake up, if you can do some resistance training, it might mitigate some of those effects. It's not going to mitigate all of them. Um, but it, it is just a fact of dieting and, and that if you want to keep the weight off. And what I will say is that people do keep the weight off. We hear a lot of yeah. rhetoric about diets don't work, people yeah. regain the weight. They don't always. That Sometimes is, it can work. On average, mm. yes, people tend to regain weight. But when you look at the individual differences, some people keep all the weight off. Some people will gain more weight than they've lost. Yeah. There is a huge variation. And what but, diet they did in the first yeah, place and what support they had. How sustainable it is, yeah. is really key to whether you maintain that weight loss. Brilliant. Um now, this is quite, um, I'm sure this will resonate with lots of parents. Tara said, my daughter wants to go on a diet. I'm very worried this could lead to disordered eating. Um, obviously, we don't have your daughter's age, Tara. I, I don't know if you have any thoughts or comments there, Claire. I, it's something I feel so strongly about. We should not be telling our children that they need to lose weight. Absolutely, a hundred percent. You know, I think if there are medical reasons for intervening, 
with a child's weight, it should be done in a way that does not in any way shame the child. Talk about their weight at all does not involve weighing or um, telling them about calories. It's about helping the family to make healthier behaviour changes that are not focusing on weight. Um, Mm. I just think that it's such an early age, this kind of language talking about diets, weight loss, fat, it can be so destructive to children and their relationship with food. Completely. So I think, you know, it's about working with a professional who is very sensitive to how to manage behavior and and diet in a way that is is healthy for the whole family and doesn't involve in any way stigmatizing the child i couldn't agree more the language used the sensitivity needed there to approach that i mean absolutely more often than not most of the clients that we have coming to the clinic with poor relationships with Mm. food were sent to a dietitian when they were younger or nutritionist in, in their home country or here and they were told about their weight growing up. I yeah. could go off on that one. Yeah, we could spend yeah. a whole podcast just on that one. <laughs> we really could. Um, the last question is from Chrissy. She said, I have obesity. So you are obese. She said, "I do you think therapy is a better place to start for aiding with weight loss than going on a diet? <sighs> I mean, I... I it depends what how your relationship with food mm. is. Um, it's it's hard to say without knowing you, um, uh, without knowing the individual. Um, people living with obesity can make healthy changes that don't have to necessarily result in in weight loss, mm. um, and do so in a way that that works perfectly for them. Yeah. Um, if if you feel that the relationship with food is something that's giving you problems and cause mm. for concern, then I would certainly speak to to someone who can help you from a psychological point of view. Um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be doing it from a place of stigmatizing someone no. because of what they're eating and I or because say of their one weight. is better than the other. They work together, don't they? Psychology absolutely. And and, yeah, absolutely. And I think just going on a diet if you're Uh, relationship with food is poor is probably going to do more harm than good Um, so I think you know addressing the psychological aspects first might be a good idea right well that does move me on to the fact or fiction round Claire okay (laughs) (laughs) very tricky subject to do a fact or fiction round on are you ready go for it Okay, 95% of people who lose weight by dieting will regain it in one to five years. Fiction. (laughs) Low fat and low sugar products are better for you. Oh gosh, I mean, fiction. Any more than one cheat meal a week is unhealthy. Definitely fiction. (laughs) (laughs) weighing yourself daily is good to keep track of progress fiction for sure for sure for sure definitely don't do that no you shouldn't eat past 7 p.m if you want to lose weight fiction it's very hard i'm still training then you go yeah i know right people haven't finished their day um fat mates you fat fiction fasting is the only healthy way to diet fiction only intense sweaty workouts will make you lose weight fiction Going gluten-free is not the fast-track solution to weight loss. Hang on. That's a double negative. Yes, it was. <laughs> Going gluten-free is not a fast-track solution Fact. to losing weight. There we go. Did I get that the right way <laughs> yes, around? You did. <laughs> um, meals higher in protein may keep you fuller for longer and in turn eat less. Fact. There we go. Brilliantly <laughs> answered. Do you know how hard? That was one of the <sighs> hardest factual fictions to write. Yeah. Because nearly everything in the diet industry is fiction. Oh, I know. I like the 95% weight regain, the first one. Yeah. I I mean, it, no. it just depends on the individual entirely. And a lot of the studies, like I said, will say um, that everybody regains the weight. But actually, there's huge variation exactly. between people. Well, that does nearly wrap up the episode, Claire, mm-hmm. today. But we always finish with our food for thoughts. And I'm going to kick it off today. But I think reiterating what we've discussed, that you are very unique. And I think nearly everybody you talk to has probably experimented in some shape or form with their their body shape, 
and you're not alone. And I don't want you to feel guilty about having done that. You know, Claire and I are registered nutritionists, and I'm sure we could both say, I mean, I definitely can, that I've tried to diet and I've been there. And mm-hmm. we all have because it's the society we seem to live in. But it's very important to try and focus on not how you feel in that moment, but try and think of your nutrition and your body with how you'll feel in a week or in a month or in a year. There's so, there's so much more to your nutrition and to your life and dieting. The phrase, it doesn't work, like Claire has said, it, it can still work. We're not anti-anybody wanting to lose weight. No, absolutely. It's just more of a fact that... Um, it's how you go about doing it. Is it realistic? All those different measures. But I think, Claire, if you could leave everyone with your final food for thought today, your mm. one take-home message, what would that be? I would ask yourself why you are going on a diet, if it's a weight loss diet. Are you trying to meet an unrealistic thin ideal? Are you doing it for aesthetic reasons that maybe aren't going to fulfil what you think it's going to fulfil? Will you be happy a clothes size smaller you know genuinely is your life going to be better probably not ask yourself you know why why are we doing this would you be happier just making some healthier swaps and framing it in a more positive way where you're not eliminating any foods you're just introducing some new foods and maybe eating a little bit less of certain foods um rather than making yourself unhappy on an exclusion diet that that may lead to social isolation Mm. um, and, you know, affect your relationship with food. So I think, you know, my food for thought would would be just ask yourself why Mm. you're doing this and are you doing it for the right reasons and will you be genuinely happier and healthier when you've done it? That was absolutely wonderful. Claire, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. You're very welcome. Thank you for inviting me. If you enjoyed this episode, you're going to absolutely love what's coming next week. So make sure you click subscribe to be the first to hear it. And please do leave a five-star review. It really does help to get this podcast out there so that we can reach higher highs in the charts and hopefully be able to help more people. For more information about my nutrition clinic, books, healthy recipes, events, retreats, and so much more, please visit retrition.com and follow me at retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.